Hey everyone, happy Monday to you. This is John at the Brew House. Today we're going to be talking about uh, Ethereum, proof of stake, proof of work, what it means, uh, what's going on with this, and what's going to be happening supposedly on September 19th. Uh, let's first get started with um, kind of like a little history lesson and proof of work and proof of stake. If you're listening to this, you probably know the difference, but just in case, I'm going to go ahead and give a little insight. Currently in Ethereum, which is a contract-based system, um, it's a little different than Bitcoin where it's designed to be more than just monetary-based. It's designed to uh, be able to sign contracts, uh, yeah. I mean, it's different, but it's it's somewhat the same. Um, you've heard of other coins that are Ethereum ERC twenty based coins. Um, they're they're actually stuff that's built on the blockchain. Those are contracts. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of different. I personally don't trade a lot in Ethereum. I used to mine it some long time ago, but I don't really do that anymore. Uh, now that the cost of GPUs are coming down, you probably could. But let's talk about if that would even be worth it. We can't talk about. Uh, what's going to happen to Ethereum proof of stake without talking about proof of work first. So proof of work is kind of like Bitcoin's bread and butter. Bitcoin uses proof of work. Basically, you use electricity to ex uh, to prove out the transactions, to prove the worth of the transactions, to solve computational puzzles. And that's how new blocks are generated and that's how blocks are validated. Um, you might have heard of Bitcoin and using a little bit of power in the news, uh, Bitcoin at its peak in last May, used over 200 terawatts per year. Now, to put that in perspective, that is the annual energy consumption of some small countries. So you can see, like, you know, there's probably a lot of people that have a problem with the amount of power that Bitcoin uses or, and Ethereum, because Ethereum um, <clears throat> was designed to be ASICs resistant. However, there are um, some ASICs out for it now. ASICs are... Uh, application specific integrated circuit, which is like a basically think about a computer as a computer chip that's specifically designed to solve the puzzle. Uh, Bitcoin uses SHA 256, Litecoin uses uh, Scrypt, uh, there's Equihash, there's a whole bunch of different um, ETH hash, different types of hashes that are made up to solve these puzzles. Uh, Ethereum was designed to be ASICs resistant, however, that's changed. So now let's talk about proof of stake. Now, proof of stake is not a new idea uh, by any means. Um, if you've heard of the coin Dash, Dash is one of the original uh, proof of work to proof of stake coins. Basically, you were you would mine in Quark, uh, but then you could also hold the coin as proof of stake. And actually, Dash did the things at the same time. So you could mine it via proof of work, and then you could proof of stake it at the same time. However, with Ethereum, they're actually going to merge it and that's going to immediately stop proof of work. So proof of stake is a type of consensus mechanism used by blockchains to achieve a distributed consensus. In proof of work, miners prove they have capital at risk by expending energy. In proof of stake, validators explicitly stake capital in the form of ether into a smart contract on ETH Ethereum. This staked ether then acts as collateral that can be destroyed if the validator behaves dishonestly or lazily. The validator is responsible for checking the new blocks propagated over the network are valid and occasionally creating and propagating new blocks themselves. So what the heck does this mean? <laughs> so proof of stake is you're going to take 32 Ethereum and you're going to send it to a smart contract. This Ethereum then is locked up. Uh, what they're saying right now is your Ethereum is going to be locked up for 18 months, 
Um, there's currently no method to get your Ethereum back from the blockchain. Uh, however, your rewards that you get, people are calling it ETH2. However, the Ethereum organization says do not call it ETH2 because that sets things up for scams. Uh, currently, there's a there's there's a testnet running, which is which is the Beacon Chain testnet. Uh, come September 19th, the testnet should merge with the mainnet, which is proof of work, and that'll stop the mining. All of the beacon coins that have been generated, um, which can usually be traded on um, Kraken, on Coinbase, they're labeled as ETH2, so you can trade ETH2 for ETH. Um, those coins can't be withdrawn from uh, Coinbase, but they can be traded for the other ETH coins if people want to speculate on the market. So to participate as a validator, a user must deposit 32 ETH, which we talked about, into the deposit contract and run three separate pieces of software, an execution client, a consensus client, and a validator. Uh, the user uh, joins an activation queue that limits the rate of new validators joining the network. Once activated, validators receive new blocks from peers on the Ethereum network. The transactions are delivered in the block are re-executed and the block signature is checked to ensure the block is valid. The validator sends the vote called an attestation, attestation, there you go, in favor of that block across the network. So what this means is, is that you get to, when, when, you, when, you, when you deposit the 32 coins, you can generate new blocks, but you also vote to say if blocks are valid or not. Similar to similar to Bitcoin, um, you're, you're able to validate new blocks, vote on them to say, hey, this, this block is new valid, this person deserves it. Um, we'll talk about 51% attacks here in a, in a minute, but um, this blockchain, just like the Ethereum blockchain, is um, able to be 51% attacked, but it costs a lot of money. So instead of using, instead of paying your normal electricity bill, what you're doing in the new staking method is you're putting money forward. Uh, I think it's around $50,000 or so, fifty dollars to $70,000 right now to, it might be a little less than that. I think it'd, it'd be probably be closer to $32,000 right now, roughly, to um, start your own Ethereum stake. Um, there, there are staking pools, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, but most importantly is it would cost you $32,000 for one stake. And in order to get 51%, you have to have 51% of all of the, uh, of all of the stakes, which I think equates to something like you would need $15 billion in order to take over 51%. So it's not a, it's not a small thing. Now we can't talk about Ethereum without talking about Ethereum classic. Now, if you're not familiar, these, uh, trading symbols are ETH and ETC. ETC, uh, it was a crypt is a currency that was launched in 2016 as a hard fork. Basically, a hard fork is when they change Ethereum changed the code to make something change, and somebody didn't agree with that, so they forked Ethereum, and Ethereum Classic actually stayed the same. So you want to call it? It's like the true blue, uh, what Ethereum was. Um, so, anyways, the Ethereum blockchain like the Ethereum network is capable of supporting smart contracts, decentralized apps, and maintains its own classic tokens. Now, think of this as everything was the same until the split. Once the split happened, Ethereum did its own thing and Ethereum Classic did its thing. The, the original vision of Ethereum stayed the same. So what, uh, what the creator had thought stayed the same. But 
there's a reason that Ethereum hard forked, and we're going to talk about that. Ethereum Classic forked from Ethereum in response to a major hacking incident, a rare but not impossible occurrence for cryptocurrency blockchains. The hack resulted in 3.6 million tokens lost. The mainnet blockchain responded by updating the blockchain to remove the incorrect transactions. There were many uh, in the original Ethereum community that disagreed with that approach, which led to the hard fork. Ethereum Classic was created using an unaltered Ethereum ledger that contains the transactions from the hack. So Ethereum is as if the hack never happened. Ethereum Classic is as if the hack happened. Uh, the founding of the Ethereum Classic was a contentious among the developer community behind Ethereum. Since Ethereum Classic was created in response to a major hack, the main Ethereum blockchain, the DAO, a smart contract utilizing the Ethereum blockchain, was corrupted when a hacker took advantage of a vulnerability in the DAO software. Because the DAO was such a large part of the total Ethereum in circulation in 2016, the Ethereum developer community debated and ultimately took action to create Ethereum Classic as a hard fork uh, complete split from Ethereum. The hard fork was successfully completed on July 2016. Now, I don't agree with the wording of this. Uh, it makes it sound like the Ethereum Classic really isn't Ethereum uh, or isn't the original, the real Ethereum. Now, the thing is, is, I guess you could say what the Ethereum organization has is what Ethereum is. The big difference here is that Ethereum Classic is as if the hack never happened. Now, I read some crazy baloney the other day about Bitcoin and Bitcoin SV and BTC and what is real and what is not. Now, um, there's been things added to the Bitcoin blockchain along the way too, like segregated witness. We'll talk about that in another episode um, that maybe Satoshi's or original vision wasn't there. However, it added uh, more layers, better layers, but Bitcoin SV is as if it's a Satoshi's original vision that can do more transactions per second and all this other stuff. However, with the introduction of lightning on the, on Bitcoin, you know, all of that kind of goes out the window and doesn't matter anymore. All right. In January 2019, a group of hackers took a majority control known as a 51% attack on the Ethereum Classic blockchain. The group ultimately, ultimately returned the funds. The Ethereum Classic network again fell victim to a 51% attack in July and August of 2020. All right. What's a 51% attack? A 51% attack means you own 51% over 50% of the processing power of that chain. So it means, for example, if let's say there was 10 giga hash running on the Ethereum or Ethereum Classic blockchain and you came in with 11, sorry, it'd be five, a little over five, say six, say six giga hash, you would own 51% of that blockchain, which means you could make all of the blocks and you could you could make all the other blocks on the blockchain not appear um, because you would own the longest chain because you own the most processing power. Um, the longest chain in crypto always wins. That's why I like a lot of sites when you go to send crypto or exchange to when you send crypto to be like converted, you know, to sell it for Bitcoin or to sell it for Ethereum. It takes X number of transactions before you actually get your funds because it's waiting to see to make sure that the transaction is going to be valid because the longest chain wins. That's why it'll say sometimes it takes four um, it take it takes four blocks before 
and your transaction has to be seen in all four blocks. And if it's not, then it's not a valid transaction and you can't spend the coins. Now, some places have changed that because a 51% attack in Bitcoin is going to be very difficult because it's a large, there's a lot of miners behind it that aren't related to each other. So that's that's in basis, that's a 51% attack. Um, one can speculate, you know, who did it, how they did it, why they did it. I mean, it could be the angry Ethereum people that are going to be going after the ETC people for continuing the chain. Who knows? I don't know why people do what they do, and I don't know, I don't know why hackers do what they do either a lot of the times. So... All right, so this is taken right from the Ethereum.org, and it really explains what's going to happen on the 15th and with a really good analogy. All right, so taken right from Ethereum.org. Let's consider an analogy. Imagine Ethereum is a spaceship that's not quite ready for uh, interstellar voyage. With the beacon chain, which is the current um, testnet that they're that they're testing all all the validators and everything on. If you if you staked Ethereum right now before September 19th. Uh, you're on the beacon chain, and um, I'll keep reading. The community uh, has built a new engine and hardened hull. After significant testing, it's almost time to hot swap the new engine for the old mid-flight. This will merge the new, more efficient engine into the existing ship, ready to put some uh, serious light years and take on the universe. So think of it as you've got a straight line, and that's the current Ethereum mainnet. Now running in parallel to that is uh, the the beacon the beacon chain testnet or Ethereum two as some people are calling it, uh, and that's running in parallel. And pretty soon, what's going to happen is the main is going to stop, and the and the bottom chain, which is the beacon chain, is going to go up and go into its place. And at that moment, proof of work or mining with GPUs, CPUs, ASICs goes away, and it's gone forever. Now, there's a big timeline in all of this, and it may not even happen. This is, you know, if it doesn't happen, this would be one of the many times uh, the Ethereum, uh, this this switch, this merge hasn't happened. And, you know, some people may call it smoke and mirrors. Uh, I don't know. I do think that, you know, proof of stake, I believe in proof of stake. I, I As I mentioned before, I'm a big economy guy. I love economy coins. I think that... Uh, Proof of stake noting is a great way to support the network because it proves that, you know, you've got skin in the game. All right. So one of the other things that's going to happen here is um, there'll be different layers to this upgrade after the proof of stake happens. And one of those things is called sharding. So <laughs> while it's a funny name, it actually is a thing. So currently when you send an ethereum transaction there's one main blockchain that's what are, that's where the ethereum happens and there can be only so many transactions in one block and so you know things can get backed up causes the gas fees to go through the roof because i think the one thing that's important to know here is that when the switch to staking happens gas fees aren't going to go lower what's a gas fee it's the amount it costs to send ethereum I was sent. Uh, I was sending Ethereum to a buddy of mine um, a while back, and I think the the gas fee was twenty dollars. It was more than the actual amount I was sending him. It was crazy. Anyways, um, so they're going to introduce this thing called sharding, and uh, sharding would split Ethereum's entire network into smaller pieces known as shards which is intended to increase the network scalability. It does this by breaking up data within the same blockchain. In essence, it creates multiple mini blockchains. This becomes a lot easier to do once the protocol moves to proof of stake. Ethereum will aim to create a physical sharded system of 64 linked databases. Sharding is a concept of computer science that scales applications so they can uh, 
They can support more data. If sharding can be implemented in Ethereum, uh, each user could store a part of the of the change to the database instead of the entire thing. So basically, instead of having one mainnet when mainnet blockchain, we're going to split this thing up into 64 blockchains, which means every time a new block is made, it's going to be made in 64 times, which means you could really scale the number of transactions. Plus, you don't have to hold the entire blockchain on one single computer, which I think is right now is like one to two terabytes. So I think that that's a great thing. Now, what I, when I was researching this, it took me a long time to figure out, will the coins made on Beacon Chain merge with the mainnet? And the answer is yes. The coins will, when, when merged, will be active on mainnet. Ethereum 2, all of those things that um, like Kraken or Coinbase has called them, will just be ETH. So if somebody comes to you and says, here, buy some ETH 2 coins, don't do it. It's a scam. Uh, like I said, the Ethereum organizers don't even want you to use ETH2 as a thing. All right. So let's talk about... Uh, so we've talked about the validator, how they have to uh, deposit 32 ETH and they have to run three pieces of software, an execution client, a consensus client, and a validator. But don't worry. Places like Coinbase and Kraken will let you stake Ethereum right there. You don't have to do anything. So, you know, the days of having this big shed full of GPUs that are mining Ethereum are over. Well, maybe. We'll talk about mining here in a little bit. I didn't really put that in my in my show notes here but i do want to talk about the implications of mining and potential implications on the price of ethereum and i maybe even want to speculate what's going to happen to the price of ethereum um, based on what i know from the economy and proof of stake and when um, collaterals change and all that kind of thing um, in 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 the economy we call the 32 ethereum we would call that your collateral uh, for noting this is very similar to noting more than staking because in the economy and other stake coins, um, you don't have to have a specific amount of coins to be considered staking, whereas Ethereum, you have to have 32. And to me, that sounds more like noting than it does. And the fact that you have to lock them up. However, in noting, we can get our coins back through a procedure that we'll talk about some other time. But um, the, the point is, is that this, this doesn't sound like staking to me. This sounds more like noting, but they're calling it staking because I think eventually you'll be able to get back your coins that you uh, one time locked up and you can get them back right away. Um, let's see. So the other thing to think about too is, is and Ethereum you know, writes this on their website too, is that you don't have to have 32 coins to participate in the network. Uh, you can become, uh, I think, a consensus client. I'm pretty sure, let me, let me just verify that. Um, but the big thing here is that you don't actually make any Ethereum. You have to have the 32 inter you have to have the 32 staked in order to actually win it. Basically what you're doing here is you're keeping a copy of the, of the blockchain. And um, that's important to the network that has to happen. I mean, you can do that in Bitcoin too, but there is no incentive short of making the network better uh, by, doing whatever it's called i can't even remember but it doesn't matter it's one of it's basically you're, you're running a copy of the ethereum client and you're um keeping a copy of the blockchain or blockchains when it switches to the 64 or pieces of each of the 64 all right uh whereas proof of work 
The timing of the blocks are determined by the mining difficulty and proof of and proof of stake. The tempo is fixed. Time uh, in proof of stake Ethereum is divided into uh, twelve seconds and epics uh, thirty-two slots. One validator is randomly selected uh, to be a block proposer in every slot. Uh, this validator is responsible for creating a new block and sending it out uh, to other nodes on the network. Also, in every slot, a committee of validators is randomly chosen whose votes are used to determine the validity of the block proposed. All right. So what that what that means what that means is similar again to uh, the economy coins or regular proof of or noted coins is most noted coins are fixed at one minute blocks. I don't know what the proof of stake time is going to be but it's going to be something fixed and so what that means is, is i i call it a baton and the oldest coins win so in 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 noting when we have our coins locked up say it's a hundred thousand pny um i call it a baton pass so it's a it's a big circle everybody's standing in the circle and the baton is passed to the next guy passed to the next guy passed to the next guy and it's passed every minute now i think that probably in the um, Ethereum proof of stake, it's going to be seconds rather than minutes, uh, mostly because they they make I think they only make like one ether uh, every time they the, a new block comes, and so you know you could have it every few seconds, and, it, and there's not much inflation there. Plus, there's this whole thing they do with burning ether that I don't understand, and I don't I mean I don't understand why, but whatever. So. I guess let's talk about mining and the implications on the price and what I think is going to happen. Um, these miners, yeah, obviously, I, if you look on eBay or anything like that, you can see that uh, that uh, the GPU prices are falling, and they're falling pretty drastically. Um, these are people that are just going to get out of the game. It's not profitable for them anymore. They don't know what's going to happen. It's too much uncertainty in the market, so they're trying to get as much money as they can out of their out of their GPUs. Fine, I don't care. That's that's cool. What do I think the big guys are going to do? Well, I think that a lot of the big guys are going to, one, they're going to stake some Ethereum because they believe in the protocol, they believe in the project, they believe in Ethereum. But they're going to do something else. I believe that they're probably going to move to the ETC chain, at least to start, until something else comes out, which will drive the price of ETC up. Because as you know, the only people generating new coins are the miners. And so the miners are the ones that actually put these coins on the market to sell. And that means that they can fix the price. They know, well, not like illegally fix the price, but they can set the price. Maybe that's better. They can set the price of the coin because they have fixed expenses like electricity, um, if they have employees, all of that, which is part of the reason why Ethereum is at the price it is. It's a good coin, but these miners have to set the price so that way they can um, afford to keep running their operation. It's also why Bitcoin is the price it is, all of that. Obviously, there's more speculation than just my conjecture on the price. But I believe that these people, a lot of them, aren't going to give it up because they're so into it, so fixed on it, that they're going to move to the ETC chain, and that's going to drive the price of ETC up. And I think that the price of Ethereum initially will fall. Why do I say that? Because in the economy, every single time that a collateral changes, think of the collateral as a 32 Ethereum, anytime that number changes, which it does, it's part of like the inflationary scheme of the economy is sometimes the price drops, sometimes the price goes up based on the number of coins in a block. So 
Ethereum, I envision, will probably change the 32 Ether to something else later on down the line. And so you'll have to add more to the contract or you'll have to change your contract or you get your coins back and then you'll have to you'll have to redeposit new amounts. But similar this this to me is a collateral change because you're taking investments of multi-million dollar uh, mining operations and you're turning them in to a 32 uh, ether collateral so you're turning it in you're turning a million dollar operation that would take a long time to generate 32 ether down to 32 ether so i think the price is going to drop because the barrier to entry is so much lower uh, you could easily spend fifty to seventy thousand dollars on a decent mining operation that maybe would only would only make you a few ether a day. So the barrier to entry is so much lower, in my opinion, which would which should drive the price of ETH down. Now, as far as the protocol and the the belief that people have in Ethereum, you know, I can't speculate on that. I'm not a super go Ethereum kind of guy, but those are just my speculations, and obviously, I am not a professional investor, trader, or anything like that. And in fact, I'm an idiot, so don't listen to any of my advice. Don't buy, don't sell, don't do any of it. But uh, I can only speculate, and I think that Ethereum Classic, ETC, is going to have a really good bull run, and I think Ethereum is going to go down, uh, which leads me to speculate that the potential that this merge may get pushed out again and it's kind of smoke and mirrors is pretty high. And um, and I feel bad for the people that have the 32 Ether locked up um, because they got to find buyers for ETH2 if they want to get out of the market. So I don't... I don't know. I mean, this is a interesting time in, in crypto and this is, you know, obviously Dash did this before, but it's going to be fun to see what happens and the amount of speculation going on here is just insane. So this is the biggest coin to do this to date. I do believe that more coins will follow suit depending on how well it goes for Ethereum. Because look, I've had people contact me and say, how can I get Bitcoin that was created uh, with renewable energy. So this is something that people are interested in. They want a coin that they can say, these coins are more valuable because they didn't cost as much to make. They didn't use as much electricity. They didn't um, contribute to the power crisis or anything like that. These are, these are coins that use 99.9% .9 less power and they should be more valuable. So I think, you know, in the end, this may, I don't know if it'll go all the way down to Bitcoin. I think that Bitcoin is going to stay true to the power, um, the power consumption that it does. But I do think that other coins may see the light. And I think that other staking coins that are already out there, people are going to start to realize like, holy cow, there's a whole ecosystem of these coins that I can be involved in where the barrier entry is really low and the upside is really high because I don't use power or a lot of power to make them. Uh, part of part of the Ethereum and the 32 coins is you have to have a computer online all the time that has the staked coins. Uh, but it doesn't have to be a computer at your house. It can be a computer in a colo that um, was on anyways. For example, uh, Kraken's big data centers or Coinbase's big data centers. They're they're using their Ethereum staking power already. Now let's talk about mining pools really quickly. I don't want to take up a lot of time on this, but a mining pool essentially is where you take computing resources and you put them all together 
to mine. So maybe you only have one GPU to mine uh, Ethereum or you'll have one ASICs. The odds of you getting a Bitcoin block is pretty small. So you work in tandem with other miners to win. So you might you might take your miner and connect it to thousands of other miners and then when a block is found that block is split based on how much work you did that's called shares so you did so many shares to discover this block and you're rewarded x number of coin based on your work now this is actually moving into ethereum proof of stake i mean not everybody's got 50 to seventy thousand dollars laying around to mine ethereum i mean that's 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 a good chunk of money so they can take those coins and they can create a, what's called a staking pool so you'll actually send them the coins and then they'll take x percentage of those coins and stake them for you and that's how you can share the stake and win right and i think that coinbase is doing this and there's other Coinbase, Kraken, other sites are doing this. And it's a great way to make a small amount of coin or to, to, to lower your barrier of entry. I mean, before, in order, to, in order to win anything, you had to have a lot of uh, mining rigs, GPUs. Your power cost wasn't fixed. Now, all of these places, the mining pools take a percentage, but they always have anyways. So what's the difference? Um, so there is a little bit of loss there, but the thing is, is that you're not responsible for mining hardware and you're not responsible for an up or for a high up power bill and all of that. So I think that mining or shared staking is going to be a huge, and it's going to allow a lot of people, a lower barrier of entry to get in and start earning their own Ethereum. Um, I think they said something like it's a 7%, four to 7% return um, on your original purchase. So 4% uh, APY, I think is what it is. And now keep in mind, that's not 4% APY based on your, your currency. It's based on 4% APY on the Ethereum. So if the, if the U S price of the Ethereum goes up or down, that has no stake on the APY. The APY is how long it takes you to get the same amount of Ethereum you've invested back in it. That's a, that's a hard concept, especially like when you talk about noting and staking, there's always the ROI. It's not the ROI of the US dollar. It's the ROI of how long it takes you to get the same number of coin you purchased originally back. So all in all, I'm going to sum it up. Uh, I, I don't know where things are going to go. I think there's a lot of questions still out there. And I think that there's, you know, the Ethereum devs are, are super smart. I think that uh, proof of stake is the future for a lot of coins, not for all the coins, but for a lot of coins, proof of stake is the future. And um, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see if the merge goes through, what the response is in the market, uh, what the response is to ETC, and even other coins that you could use GPUs on. It'll be fun. I think that this is, this is fun. And um, I hope everyone has a great Monday and uh, stake on.